following message entitled, A Risky Proposal, part three of the series, Ruth, Real Happy Endings, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 18th of August, 2013, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Morning, everybody. My name is Mark, one of the pastors. If this is your first... Sunday, welcome. Thanks, thanks for coming. And if you do have a chance to stop back to the guest reception, I'll be back there and I hope you can come. I'd love to meet you. For all of you who um, are interested in Resolved, yes, Resolved, as Sean was, as Sean was talking, one, one side benefit of signing up is that Sean will teach you how to dress like a hipster. And... <laughs> He will bring you up to date on current fashion. So uh, that, that would be worth signing up alone for. He's going to be giving special classes. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> That's old man humor, I know. I realize that. Well, we have been in the book of Ruth for the last two Sundays. This is our third week in the book of Ruth, so if you want to turn to Ruth, it is right after the book of Judges, which is after Joshua. So the first five books in the Bible are called the Pentateuch, and after the first five books comes Joshua Judges Ruth. That's how I always remember how to find it. I just remember Joshua Judges Ruth. So if you want to turn to Ruth chapter 3, book of Ruth is a love story. In our culture... Often if you ask someone what they're looking for in a marriage partner, nowadays they may say something like, I'm looking for my soulmate, which means I'm looking for a perfect match, someone who is physically attractive, intensely interested in me, and all the same things I'm interested in, who will perfectly understand me and always meet my every need. That's, that's what people are thinking. I'm going to find the perfect Soulmate for me. Well, Ruth and Boaz, who she will marry, hardly would have been considered soulmates. Boaz was a wealthy Israelite. He was a lot older than Ruth. Ruth was a young Moabite, and the Moabites were long-standing enemies of Israel. Ruth was a peasant. The book of Ruth doesn't say whether she was beautiful or not, but she could work all day in the fields, then sling an 80-pound sack of grain over her shoulder and carry it home. They would not have been soulmates by our culture's standards, but they had this in common. Both loved the living God, and both had godly character. The book of Ruth describes Boaz as a worthy man, and it describes Ruth as a worthy woman. And that term is used to describe a person of excellent godly character. Ruth left her family and her people to lay down her life to care for her mother-in-law, Naomi. And Naomi at first didn't even care for Ruth and wasn't grateful for Ruth, all Ruth did for her. Ruth was also a very diligent, 
hard-working woman who would labor from morning till sunset in the fields, then into the night winnowing grain in order to provide for Naomi who didn't even really appreciate her. Boaz was kind and merciful and gracious and cared for this foreigner who everyone else would have looked down on. And he provided for her. And he protected her. And he protected her physically and he protected her reputation. So, Ruth has an important truth for all you single people, young and old. This is, this is free advice from an old man. Free advice from someone who has been following the Lord a lot of years. Free advice from a pastor who has done a lot of marriage counseling over the years. Ruth has this message. Listen closely, college students, single people, young and old. It's fine to look for someone who's attractive, but far more important, look for someone who loves Jesus with all his or her heart and look for a man or woman of godly character. Don't look for a soulmate in another human being. There's no such thing. Can I tell you something? The word soulmate is not in the Bible. There's no such thing as a soulmate. The Bible says the only one who can satisfy our souls is Jesus. And when I was a single man, I was praying one day, asking God to give me a a wife, and God spoke to me, not audibly, but this thought came into my mind. Mark, if you can't be fully satisfied in me, Jesus Christ, then you'll never be satisfied with any human being. Because no human being can satisfy another human being. So, that's just my free advice at the beginning of the message. The book of Ruth is a love story, but it's really about the lover of our souls. It's about how Naomi abandons God, does what's right in her own eyes, reaps the consequences, but there is a lover of her soul who brings Naomi back to himself, and at the same time, he loves this foreigner. He's chosen this foreigner to fulfill his purposes. And he brings back both of them to Israel. And then this lover of their souls pours out blessings on both of them. And so the book of Ruth is about a Redeemer who not only loves individual people, but it's about a Redeemer who loves the nation of Israel at the time God's people, God's chosen people, who kept rejecting Him who kept reaping the consequences, doing what was right in their own eyes, straying from God. But the book of Ruth is about how this God kept bringing Israel back to Himself. And more important, Ruth becomes the ancestor of Jesus Christ who emptied Himself of glory and came after us to bring us to Himself. So Ruth is about a Redeemer, a lover of our souls who came to rescue us. So let's pray. Jesus, we, we pray that Your Word would stir us and fill us with faith today. Jesus, we thank You that You are the lover of our souls. You are the One who satisfies our souls. You are our satisfaction. You are our inheritance. You are our portion, Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask You to just show us Yourself 
in the book of Ruth this morning. Lord, help us to see you. Open the eyes of our hearts. We thank you. In Jesus' name, Father, we ask. Amen. All right, Ruth 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you, that it may be well with you? Now, what this means is, when she says this, is that she's, she's concerned that Ruth will be able to get married, remarried. Ruth had been married to Naomi's son, and Naomi's son had died. And so Ruth is a widow, as is Naomi, but Ruth is, is concerned, or Naomi is, is concerned that Ruth will be able to get married and have children. That's what it means, should I not seek rest for you? So what is happening here is Naomi is finally starting to look outside herself and her own bitterness, and she's starting to come to some faith in God, and she's starting to look to the interests of Ruth, who's been caring for her. In chapter 1, when Naomi returned to Israel from Moab, she's bitter. She says, God has forsaken me. And she doesn't even appreciate Ruth's loyalty. But then at the end of chapter 2, last week, we saw how God, through Boaz, provided this huge two weeks worth of grain and extra food. And when, when Ruth comes in, lugging this big sack of grain and house all this food, Naomi says, who in the world did you work for? And she, when she tells, when, when Ruth says Boaz and how he was generous, she says, finally, Naomi says, the Lord has not forsaken us. She begins to, to get a glimmer of faith rising in her heart. And now she is beginning to change even in thinking of Ruth. And she's thinking of someone beside herself. And I need to, to, I need to take care of Ruth. And I need to see if I can get a, a husband somehow for her. And provide children for her. And so then she says in verse 2, Is not Boaz, this man you've worked for, is not Boaz our relative? with whose young women you were. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Naomi's hatching a plan. <laughs> See, the law said God had provided for widows. And He had said in the law that in some situations, when a woman's husband died, the, the husband's brother or a near relative who was called a kinsman redeemer, should marry his brother's widow to bear children to inherit his property and care for his widow. So Naomi's thinking, hey, Boaz is a close relative. He wasn't the closest relative, but he was close enough that he could be called a kinsman redeemer. He was not under obligation to marry Ruth but he could if there was no closer relative. There was no closer Redeemer. So the reaping, she says, he's, he's winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Well, all day long, what they would do is they would reap until sundown. Then they'd go to the threshing floor and winnow the grain after sundown. And the threshing floor was on the east side of the city because the evening breezes came from the west and it would carry the chaff away from the city. So Naomi tells Ruth in verse 3, she says, he's going to be winnowing there, so wash 
therefore, and anoint yourself, and put on your cloak, and go down to the threshing floor, but don't make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And Ruth replied, she replied, all that you say I will do. So after, after Boaz finished threshing out the barley harvest, he would have a feast, He'd eat and drink, and then he'd lie down by the pile of grain to guard it through the night. And so, Ruth was to wash and anoint herself. In other words, make yourself look pretty. A commentator, Ian Duguid, puts it this way. He's saying, Ruth, get washed, put on your best clothes, splash on some perfume, apply some makeup, Go see where he lies down, then lie down next to him, and he'll tell you what to do next. Now, this was an incredibly dangerous suggestion. (laughs) This was a dangerous thing for a woman to do. Remember earlier in the book of Ruth, it said this was a time in the history of Israel when everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And she's saying, get all dolled up and go down and lie down next to this guy, this older guy, in the middle of the night, and he'll tell you what to do. She says, uncover his feet and lie down. Now it's dangerous, but Naomi knows Boaz is a worthy man. So Naomi knows that Boaz isn't going to do anything wrong to Ruth. In any other situation, that could easily have happened. And to uncover his feet and lie down is to demonstrate her dependence on Boaz. Naomi says, uncover his feet and just wait. He'll tell you what to do. So in verse 6, so she went down to the threshing floor and did, just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. So in the middle of the night, Boaz, he's sleeping on the full stomach, probably a few glasses of wine, just sleeping after a hard day of work. He's guarding his grain. And he's startled. He, he turns over and he kicks something. <laughs> There's a woman at my feet. It must have been really dark because he doesn't recognize her. So he says, who are you? And she says, I am Ruth, your servant or maid servant. Now she deviates from Naomi's instructions. Naomi had told her, lie down, uncover his feet, he'll tell you what to do. But Ruth doesn't want her intentions to be misunderstood. She's a godly woman. She's not coming on to him or doing anything inappropriate. So what does she do? She proposes marriage. (laughs) She asks him to marry her. 
Now, in that day, you'd make a commitment to a commitment to marriage by covering someone with the corner of your robe. It was similar to giving an engagement ring. So, what what Ruth is doing is asking him, "Will you marry me?" She says, "Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer." And that meant to say, "Spread your wings" means spread the edge of your garment over me. In other words, would you give me an engagement ring and make a commitment to marry me? That's essentially what she's saying. And she says, you're a redeemer. So, remember what I said, that in some situations, when a woman's husband died, his brother would marry her to bear children with her. Or a near relative. Boaz wasn't the closest relative, but he was a close relative. So he's not under obligation. But Ruth is asking him to act in the spirit of a redeemer, and at his own cost, to rescue her, even though he didn't have to. And the phrase, spread your wings over your servant, echoes what Boaz had said to Ruth in chapter 2, verse 12. Boaz said to her, the Lord repay you for what you have done to Naomi, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So now Ruth is coming to Boaz for refuge. She's asking him to marry her, to provide and protect her, even as she had taken refuge under the Lord's wings. Now this, this was a huge risk on Ruth's part. The commentator I mentioned, Ian Duguid, says it was completely countercultural for a woman to propose to a man. It was countercultural for a young person to propose to an older person or a field hand to the field owner. Naomi had told her to be silent, but Ruth blurts out a marriage proposal. This was a huge risk. How will he respond? Will he reject her? Is he going to say, get out of here? What are you talking? Are you crazy? We're not in the same social strata or anything. Get, get lost. What are you doing? Will he send her out weeping into the night? Will he say, how dare you come in here? What are we willing to risk for Jesus? This was a huge risk. I talked with a young man recently, probably about 30, he's got a young family, and he is planning to move his family along with several other families in their church. They're planning to move to India to live among Muslims until either they plant 15,000 home churches or he dies. He said, if we plant 15,000 home churches among this Muslim population in India, then we'll have enough people in place that I could come home. So I said, you're, you're probably going to be in India a long time. <laughs> he said, yeah, I may live the rest of my life there. I thought, man, this guy's taking this huge risk living among Muslims, proclaiming the Gospel. I thought, I, I get nervous about 
telling, telling one of my friends who's not a Christian about Jesus. I thought, wow, this, what kind of a risk am I willing to take for Jesus? I started thinking, you know what, we, we should be willing to take risks for Jesus. We, we should be willing to step out and ask someone if they're, if they're sharing with us outside in the parking lot or at the parking lot at Walmart or whatever. We see somebody we know and they're sharing with us a non-Christian about the struggle they're having. We, we should be willing to say, well, can, can I pray for you? Or Jesus can help you with that. We should be willing to take risks for Jesus. So often we think about that, at least I do, and then I don't say anything. This provokes me. Ruth was willing to take a risk. We should, we should risk lovingly confronting someone if they're persisting in some habitual sin. We should risk opening our heart and sharing our temptations and struggles with fellow believers. Feels risky, doesn't it? You're you're in a in a group of friends who care about you and love you, and you're you're struggling with something, or you're you're tempted, and and we just don't want to open our hearts. What are they going to think about me? What what are they going to? Will they reject me? Will they look down on me because I struggled with this temptation? We should be willing to take risks for Jesus. And even as I say this, I think. Okay, God's going to ask me to risk myself now that I've preached on it. <laughs> Take some risk for Him. And verse 10, He says, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. He says this... The, this last kindness, he says, the first kindness Ruth had shown was to Naomi in, con- in committing herself to stay with her and care for her. And this last kindness is Ruth's kindness to Boaz, an older man, in seeking him to be her redeemer because this meant she would marry him. Boaz is saying, you could have gone after young men. Instead, you're asking me to marry you. That's so kind. A younger man would have a better chance of providing Ruth with children of her own, but Ruth knows that Boaz, who is so generous, will also take care of Naomi. And for Naomi's sake, Ruth is willing to take this risk. Incredible. And so in verse 11 he says, And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask. For all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. Ruth was a worthy woman. A woman of godly, excellent character. And, and Boaz was described in chapter 2, verse 1, as a worthy man. He says, All my fellow townsmen know that you're a worthy woman. Ruth and Boaz reflect the character of Jesus. They reflect the character of God. Boaz, in his kindness, his generosity, his being a protector and a provider, Jesus is kind. Jesus is generous. Jesus is a protector. Jesus is an incredible provider. Ruth, loyal, 
to Naomi, faithful, kind, given up all to stay with Naomi and care for her. Jesus is loyal to us. Ruth was willing to leave her homeland, leave everything behind to care for Naomi. Jesus left heaven. Jesus set aside His glory in a sense, and He came as a foreigner to those who hated Him and rejected Him in order to save them. They had godly character. It's a, it's a huge part of the book of Ruth. And for those of us who come to Jesus Christ, when, when you come to Jesus, He forgives your sins he adopts you as his son or daughter. So great to be singing that this morning. He makes us joint heirs with Christ. But not only that, he produces Christ in us. He produces, God produces the very character of Jesus Christ in us. He transforms us to become increasingly more and more like Jesus Christ throughout our lifetime. And so, Romans 8.29 says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. To become like Christ. That's our destiny. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the Spirit of God works in us as we behold Jesus Christ in His Word. As we behold Jesus Christ as we worship Him. As we see Him in the eye, through the eyes of faith. As we think about Jesus' character. As we see Him in His Word and seek to obey Him. The Spirit of God makes us more and more like Jesus. You believe that? Boaz says to Ruth, all my fellow townsmen know that you're a worthy woman. I just thought, may this be said of us. May, may all your relatives, may all our neighbors, may all our co-workers and fellow students say, that guy is like Jesus. That, that woman is like Jesus. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't put it that way if they don't, don't believe in Jesus but may, may they see Jesus Christ in us. May this be said about that. Do whatever, do whatever you can to bless and serve your neighbors. Do whatever you can to bless people at work or at school. I, years ago, we, Christy and I and our family lived next door uh, to a guy, and we had trees in our front yard that every fall would dump leaves and they would not only dump leaves into my front yard, our front yard, they would also blow over and dump leaves into our neighbor's front yard. And one day, as I was out raking, my, my neighbor, who was a great neighbor, said to me, you know what, the person who lived here before you, you know what he would do? He would rake up right to the line of the property line. He would rake the leaves that had fallen from his trees into my yard he would only rake to the property line and leave the rest there for me to rake. And he said, one day, I got so fed up with it, 
I took all the leaves I raked and I carried them over and I dumped them on his front porch. (laughs) And I thought to myself, I want to be a witness for Jesus to him. So I consistently raked all the leaves in his yard. I I would, would rake all my leaves, every leaf that I could, that I could possibly fathom was from any of my trees. I would go over clear over by his garage with my, with my leaf blower, blow all the leaves out. I would do everything I could just in that small way, in whatever way I can, to, to just demonstrate the character of Jesus Christ. And I, I don't know if he ever... He, he, did, he did seem to really like me. He, <laughs> he never complained about the leaves anyway. I never got a big pile of leaves dumped on my front porch. But the reason I did it was because I wanted to be like Jesus Christ as much as I could in any way I could to my neighbors. So, think about that. Tomorrow, when you're going to school, going to work, or in your neighborhood, or when you're talking to a neighbor or whatever, think, how can I display Jesus to those around me? Verse 12, it says, And now it is true, Boaz is still speaking, it is true that I am a Redeemer. And then he says, Yet there is a Redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If He will redeem you, good, let Him do it. But if He's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So Boaz was a near relative, so he was a Redeemer. But... There was a man who was a closer relative, which is why he says there's a Redeemer nearer than I. And this guy would have the first option to marry Ruth. And Ruth may not have known about this. Can you imagine what she may have been thinking? She'd taken this huge risk in hope of finding this, this, that this worthy man would marry her. And now she finds out there's another kinsman, Redeemer, who could have first dibs. I mean, Boaz is a godly guy, but she has no idea what this other guy is like. He, he could be a cruel, godless man. I, I, I can just imagine her as I, as I picture the scene and Boaz says, you know, Ruth, I, I, I would like to do it, but this other guy, he really has the right to do it before me if he wants to. I can just see her heart sinking. I've taken this risk. It's going to happen. Here's one more. One more situation, Ruth has to take refuge under God's wings. So in verse 14, she, lays, she lay at his feet until morning, but arose before one could recognize another while it's still dark. And, and Boaz said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. They had not done anything wrong, but Boaz is concerned for Ruth's reputation. So he says, you go home while it's still dark. In verse 15, before she goes, he says, and bring the garment you're wearing and hold it out. So she held it and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she, then she went into the city. So last week we saw that Ruth, before she came home, Boaz provides. Boaz gives her all this grain. Last week she came home, well not last week, but she, we saw last week that she came home with an ephah 
which was about 44 pounds of barley, which was a two-week supply. Now Boaz gives her six measures of barley. Six measures is about 80 pounds or a month's worth of food. Boaz puts it in her cloak, lifts it on her back so she can carry it home. She's got this 80-pound backpack on of grain, carries it through the darkness home. That's a heavy sack of barley. So, once again, we just see the lavish generosity of Boaz, which is a reflection of the lavish generosity of our God. And so verse 16 says, When she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. That phrase, Boaz says, you must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Remember what Naomi said at the end of chapter 1? She said, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Naomi came back to Bethlehem empty, but now through Ruth and Boaz, God keeps pouring out blessings on her. And surely what this is wanting us to think is surely God is not going to withhold descendants from Naomi. And if we trust in Jesus, if we trust in Jesus, if you trust in Jesus, you will never be empty. I'm not saying that your life is always going to be easy. I'm not saying that there won't be hard things to go through. But in Jesus, spiritually, you will never be empty. Because God has the spirit that Boaz had. He says, you must not go back empty-handed. Psalm 16.11 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In John 4, Jesus said to the woman at the well, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. We, we come up empty when we pursue the things of this world to satisfy us. If we pursue anything other than Jesus to satisfy us, we will be empty. Don't look to another person to satisfy you. Don't look to a career. Don't look to possessions. Don't think, oh, if I only had a bigger house then I'd be satisfied. Don't say, oh, if I only had this much money, then I'd be satisfied. Oh, if I only had this, then I'd be satisfied. Let me tell you something. You wouldn't be. Just keep wanting one more thing. And I, you know what? I think this is, this is something that all of us struggle with, but especially young folks. I just want to tell you teenagers, I want to tell you college students, Look to Jesus to satisfy you. So many times, 
I, I know it's such a, a temptation and, and, and it's, it's normal, it's natural to desire to have a, a relationship or to get married, but that won't satisfy you. Only Jesus. And when we look to Jesus, He fulfills us and satisfies us. And so in verse 18, she had said, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. She knows Boaz is faithful. She knows that Boaz will keep his word. He's going to be faithful, which is a picture of Jesus' faithfulness. He finishes what He starts. He'll complete the good work He began in each of us. So many times over the years, I, I can remember specifically different times where I said this to people who were really struggling with something. I, I can remember one married couple that came to our church, a young, young couple with a, one young child, and they were, they were just having real challenges. And I said, if you keep following Jesus, He will finish the good work He began in you. And He's going to keep doing that throughout your life. And if you keep following Jesus, you're going to look five years from now, you're going to look back and you're going to say, wow, Jesus has done so much in my life. And they kept following Jesus. And He did. He helped them. He fulfilled their desires. He gave them strength. He helped them in their marriage. He helped them with their children. So we can see that Boaz is faithful. He said he's going to do something and he will keep his word. And God, it says in the book of Numbers, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man, that he should change his mind. Have, he says, did I not say and will I not fulfill it? Whatever God says, He is good for His Word. So many times when I'm praying, I will use God's Word. I'll say, Lord, You said this. Please do this because You said it, Lord. I'm believing it. You're good for Your Word. And so, the book of Ruth is a love story. It's a story of Ruth's love for Naomi. It's a story of the love between Boaz and Ruth. But ultimately, the book of Ruth is a love story about God's love for His people. Naomi represents Israel who continually strayed from God but he continued to pursue them and bring them back to himself. And in one sense, Naomi's a picture of all of us. We've all strayed from God. We've all done what's right in our own eyes. But God sent His Son Jesus, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. Ruth took this huge risk by visiting a pile of grain in the middle of the night. Jesus emptied Himself, became a man, and stepped down into our darkness. He not only risked His life, He gave His life for you and me. Oh, if, if you have never called upon Jesus, He, he wants to save you from your sins and from, his, from the punishment of God. 
He came. He, he risked His life. He gave His life. He gave all He had for you. You shouldn't doubt His love for you. And so we sang this morning, and anyone who calls upon His name, He will be saved. He will be saved. And as we were singing that song, I, I thought, what, what is today's date? It's the middle of August. And then I remembered a date written on a card. Written on a card that a man gave me that said, August 23rd, 1973. And that, that card that I had for many years, that date was a date that I went to a meeting and I heard a man preach about Jesus. And afterwards I went up and I, 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 my, my girlfriend wanted me to go up and meet this guy. And when I went up and met him, he said, Mark, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? And I said, well, I think so. I go to church all the time. He said, no, 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 no. You have to ask Him personally. And so He led me in a prayer and I prayed. I called on the name of Jesus. I I hardly even knew what I was doing. But I, I knew I needed help. And I called upon the name of Jesus. There were no fireworks. I didn't have goosebumps. I didn't feel anything different. But I, I, I called on Jesus' name. Nothing happened that night. Next year, I continued to struggle. I would, I'd go to a Bible study and then I'd go to the bar and get smashed. And then I'd go to confession in the Catholic Church. And then I'd go to Mass. And then I'd do the whole thing all over again. Go to confession. Every single week, I was so miserable and but I had called on the name of the Lord. And He led me into a Bible study. And He led me and showed me that I needed to turn away from my sins. And He just continued to lead me. And so maybe you're, you're, you say, I don't know much about God. Well, if you want Him to save you from your sins and the slavery of your sins and the punishment your sins have deserved, call upon Him. Anyone who calls upon His name... He will be saved because there is a Redeemer. And so it's interesting that Boaz in verse 12 says, and now it's true that I'm a Redeemer, yet there is a Redeemer nearer than I. Now, in the story, he's not talking about God. He's talking about there, there is someone closer to you than I am who has the right to redeem you. But it's an interesting phrase. There is a Redeemer nearer than I. Because that's what the book of Ruth is about. The whole book of Ruth. There is a Redeemer behind the scenes who is so near and so close and loves them so much. And there is a Redeemer behind the scenes in your life who is calling out to you and for those of you who have already called upon Jesus, those, all of us who have trusted in Jesus, whether it was just yesterday or whether it's been years, don't ever forget this, this Redeemer who did so much for you. He hasn't finished. He is not going to let you go empty-handed into eternity. He's working in your life. He's behind the scenes working. There is a Redeemer. And so this week, this week as you go through whatever you're going through, as you're, and when you're tempted or when you're tempted to be discouraged or downcast, say this to yourself, there's a Redeemer behind the scenes working in my life. There's a Redeemer orchestrating His great plan in your life. 
So next week we will see the outcome of Ruth's risky proposal. And we will see how God comes through in the end and makes sure nobody goes home empty-handed because there is a lover of our souls. Let's stand and let's pray. Let's have the band come on up also. Lord Jesus, Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the one who satisfies our souls. Lord, we confess to you that so often we think other things will satisfy us. But would you help us, Jesus, to look to you and you alone for satisfaction and fulfillment? And Jesus, would you help us, please, and I'm putting myself at the head of this list, help us to be willing to take risks for you. I confess, Lord, so often I give in to fear. And I'm timid and I don't like to take risks, but Lord, would You please make us more willing to take risks for You. Help us be willing to step out, Lord, and share the Gospel. Jesus, would You please also continue to build Your character into us. Make us more like You, Jesus. Lord, let people see You in us. Please, Lord, Help us to be witnesses not only with our words, but also with our lives at work and school and our neighborhoods. Lord, let people see Jesus in us. Let, people, let all the townspeople say we are people of Christ-like character. And Lord, just fill us with joy and confidence and trust that You will not bring us home empty-handed, but that You're a gracious, generous God who pours out blessings upon us every day, Lord. Every day. Pour out Your blessings on us today. In Jesus' name, Amen.